Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome into it. It is Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial. If you have that smartphone or that smart radio, welcome into it. Holy cow, man, what a week it's been. (laughs) It has been a whirlwind. I am blurred. We're trying to just ground for a second, recap and process what the heck's happened throughout this entire week on many different fronts. Welcome into it. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join in to the Maxwell Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, we'd love to have you on the program. we got a big one lined up for you this morning to kick off your Saturday morning, which can you believe it? We are one week away from the 4th of July celebration. Yeah. Yeah. The fireworks, the barbecue. The adult beverages that hopefully don't include Bud Light, the friends and family. It's going to be a crazy one. It's going to be a fun one. And we'll have some more information on that here in just a second. What's up? Welcome into it. Happy Saturday morning. Coming up at the program, bottom of the hour, we have Wichita City Council member Brian Fry. He'll be joining us, as you may have heard. Oh, by the way, we got to give a shout out to our friends out to Garden City, Kansas, 1240 KIUL. I know. We've been talking about some Wichita local issues, but we will, I promise, we are going to get to you and what's going on out in western Kansas as well. But there was some big news this week in the city of Wichita of a lawsuit that's ongoing with some of the elected officials and uh, against uh, some of the law enforcement officers in the area. Well, Brian Fry has been demitted from that lawsuit, so we'll talk about some of the details on what's going on there with him in studio here at the bottom of the hour for a little bit. Hour number two, it's been a while since we've had him on the program. Warren Martin, he is the head of Kansas Strong with the oil and gas industry across the state of Kansas. We'll talk about gas prices. We'll talk inflation. We'll talk energy usage. We'll talk about the extreme heat. Well, I want to mention the state of Texas and how they're struggling during their heat streak right now, and they are down to less than 5% of their energy supply that's uh, able to be utilized because of how bad things are and because they continue to want to shut down coal plants and all the other issues that they're having down there. So we'll talk about that just like we saw the extreme cold front a few years ago. Now we're seeing the uh, the extreme heat front and the Democrats and the progressives and the big government are just like, hey, let's go ahead and shut down some more coal plants. So we have that. And today, uh, officially today, June 24th, is the one-year anniversary of the reversal of Roe v. Wade. And uh, we'll play our interview with Marjorie Denenfelser. She is the president of the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. We did that on our Voice of Reason Project uh, uh, radio program yesterday. And we'll air that interview to wrap up the show today. Which means, for the first half hour, it's open lines to you right now at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. To jump on the show with us, a quick, a quick couple of programming notes and kind of some uh, information for you. If you did not get a chance to hear it, we had the opportunity to fill in for the Todd Starnes program earlier this week. That was on Thursday, as Todd Starnes has been in New York filling in for a program on Newsmax TV, and therefore he has been out for his third hour of his show. 
And I had the honor to fill in for the program on Thursday this week for hour number three. Hopefully you got to enjoy that one. And that was a lot of fun. And they seemed to like it. They seemed happy with it. So that's good. That's the first and foremost. As long as they're happy with the program, then that's all that matters. And uh, we'd be honored if they would like us to come back and do it again at some point if Todd ever wants some time off. So you can hear us on the Todd Starnes program. You can hear his podcast, I believe, on his website at ToddStarnes.com. And you can listen to that hour number three where we got to fill in for his show this week. Other programming note for you as... Well, that was strange. I just had a washer fall off my microphone stand. So uh, let's hope that this thing actually stays up and uh, (laughs) continues to work for us. Where's the union at? I need a union worker to come in and fix this thing for me. Oh, that's right. We know how to do things ourselves and not have someone take our money and say they represent us. That's right. I totally forgot about that. All right. We'll get to that in just a second because I want to get your thoughts on what's going on here and uh, the, the worker strike that's going on as well. Second programming note, real quick. Today's the day, man. And I am prepared. I am ready. We are ready to rock and roll. But today is the launch of our Voice of Reasons nationally syndicated weekend edition program that's distributed through the Salem Radio Network and with our partners of Americans for Prosperity. As you know, we talk a lot with them on the programs uh, throughout the weekend on this program. They're a great partner, and they will be joining us on the show this afternoon. Now, here's the thing. For KQAM listeners... And KIUL listeners out in Garden City, you will be able to hear the program. It will not be live on Saturdays from 4 to 6 Central Time when I will be doing the show, but it will be broadcast on the KQAM airwaves on Sunday afternoons from 5 to 7, leading into Mark Walters and Armed American Radio. So I figured that was an appropriate place for that to run, as uh, Mark Walters actually will be our first guest on the program today. But we will be doing that show. I am extremely honored. I am extremely excited that we will be doing this additional project. This started with Salem, wanting some live weekend programming, and uh, I've filled in for Mark enough times, and they know me, and we've talked, and wanted to start another program, and here we are. And we're able to make this happen. So extremely honored. Extremely grateful, and The Voice of Reason is now getting a two-hour weekend edition nationally syndicated radio program. And again, I have to say thank you for the listeners, especially here in the Wichita area and across Kansas, who have been such a massive support for them to actually take a look at me because of the fact that you've supported the program for as many years as you have. So thank you for that. We are deeply honored, deeply appreciative, and we love you to death. Thank you so, so much. And if you get a chance, we will be doing a live video stream of it. It will be from the Hoosier Media Network studios at the uh, in the home base, and we'll be broadcasting that every Saturday. Again, it will be live from 4 to 6 Central Time, and you can hear it on the KQAM airwaves in Wichita, the KIUL airwaves in Garden City on Sundays, delayed taped from 5 to 7 o'clock. So it will not be live, but you'll still be able to hear it on these stations And really excited about that. Okay, enough of that stuff. Let's get into some of the topical issues from this week, especially here in the Wichita area. And I need to uh, look, I'm opening this up for you to explain it to me because, you know, my thoughts on unions, you know, my thoughts on how I feel about unions. I think that they are the detriment to society. And I think every union essentially needs to be abolished. They had a point in time. They had a purpose at one point in time. But that is not the time any longer. And now they take the union dues of workers and tell them what to do. And then they screw up the private sector. They inflate things beyond what they're supposed to be in the private sector. And uh, they are a worthless organization. And I, I just that's my personal opinion. I'm allowed to have that. You can completely disagree. That's totally okay. That being said, I am desperate to try and understand why we're seeing the machinist union walk out at Spirit Aerosystems right now. I'm 
truly wanting to understand. I understand that we're always fighting for better working conditions, that we're fighting for better wages, we're fighting for better benefits, whatever it may be. I get it. We need to take care of the worker. In fact, back in the day when unions actually started in the 30s and 40s and 50s, that uh, the Ford company realized that they didn't get unionized, but they realized if you take care of your employee, then you don't have to spend money reprogramming and retraining and hiring new individuals constantly with a rotating door from people that are getting burnt out, that are people that are getting injured on the job, that are uh, having individuals that just can't handle the long work hours and falling into the pit. Like the, when the manufacturing revolution started, that was the problem. And we totally get that. You know what? We don't want someone to fall into the pit and get ground up like we saw so many times. We don't want people to work 16-hour days and passing out on the job and getting injured. We don't want people working for pennies and thinking that they're going to stick around for that when we have a private sector, a capitalist free market laissez-faire private sector that gives you opportunities in other places. We don't want that. We want proper working conditions. We want the workers to be happy because the way I see it is a, a, a business, a privately owned business is a family. And everybody takes care of each other, and I totally get that. Obviously, I work for here a privately owned business. And you want to feel like a family where everybody takes care of one another and the workers are being treated appropriately and being compensated appropriately, so they're happy. And when they're happy, then they're more efficient. And when they're more efficient, then the company does well and flourishes. It's a wild concept. I know. It's pretty crazy. But when you take care of your workers, then things end up turning out all right. And I know that Spirit Air Systems is not there to just say, hey, you need to show up and just to hell with your benefits. We're going to just run you into the grind and make you unhappy. I highly doubt that that's what's going on. And if it is, then explain it to me, please. Because I'm baffled at why the workers that are working in the union voted by a 78% um, approval rating to deny the contract proposal from Spirit and then I voted at an 85% rate to go on strike. Explain this to me. Because the details, at least that I'm aware of, and again, this is why I'm asking for your input here, because I'm not aware maybe of all the defined details, but according to Cake News, here's what the details are that I understand. That the contract included a 16 to 34% average pay increase. Now, from someone that I have briefly talked to said that it was a roughly 34% pay increase, but half of that was going into stock for the company. The other part of it, 15 to 16%, was actual a pay increase for the company, along with enhanced benefits for health insurance, along with a 14.7% increase in retirement benefits. So you're telling me that in a system right now where no one, as far as that show of hands, how many people have actually gotten a raise over the last three years with COVID? Unless you've actually moved at jobs, especially in the private sector in a small business where the small business is just trying to survive. Uh, show of hands, and if you have, call me at 316-721-8255. Tell me if you've gotten a 16% increase. Now, Andy, that's like 2.5% year over year. Okay, cool, but you're locked in for a 16% increase. But, Andy, inflation's at 7%. Cool. Name another industry that's still getting a 2.5% increase year over year, going up to 16% over the next few years, even with a 7% inflation right now. No one. Zero. Zip. Nada. Nobody's getting it. I have yet to see a pay increase in I don't know how many years. And that's okay. I get it. It's a small business. That's what you do. And that's what you do to survive. When small business does well, then hopefully we get the rebound on that on the back end. But how many retail shops, 
How many restaurants and uh, the ones that are actually really struggling and still desperate to try and find workers, how many of them have seen a 16% bump in pay? How many people working in an office job have seen a 16% bump in pay? How many have even seen a 4% bump in pay just to try and battle inflation? Zero. Zip. Nada. On top of that, a near 15% increase in retirement benefits. On top of that, another 16% going into stock with the company that can help you in the long run with investments. I don't have any investments. People working at restaurants don't have any investments. People that are working at bars and nightclubs don't have any investments. Uh, uh, maybe they do, but I'm, I doubt it with their how much money they're making. So explain to me why these individuals voted with a 78% rate to deny this contract saying it's not good enough and to go on strike, ceasing production for the company. Well, we don't want mandated Saturdays. Okay. But the company signed on to punch out a certain amount of product because that's what businesses do, trying to meet the demand for their customers that they have. And in order to meet that quota, you need to work on Saturdays. And if you're working overtime, you're getting paid time and a half, are you not? At least you should be if you're working overtime. If you're working 40 hours during the week and then working Saturday, getting paid time and a half, I know that's a little bit away from family, but man, you're making some decent money right now, aren't you? What's the problem here? And again, I'm open to the conversation if someone here that, that's working there or that's on the strike that listens to this program. And I know you listen because we represent here on the program, we represent the good old boy working class. That's what we do on this show. Explain to me, please help me understand why you would deny a 16% increase in wages, another 16% investment into the company, a 15% increase in retirement benefits along with enhanced health insurance. And if you're not happy with the health insurance, which we've heard some of the audio clips about that as well, well, it's not, it's, you know, they're, they're not covering some of the pharmaceutical pills. That's a health insurance issue. That's not the company issue. That's a health insurance issue. And if you're not liking the health insurance options out there, then stop supporting, almost radio edited word out there because I'm getting a little fired up right now, stop supporting government Healthcare options. Stop supporting the centralization of the healthcare industry. Stop supporting the expansion of Obamacare. Stop supporting the expansion of Medicaid and start advocating for private sector health insurance that creates competition in the market that we can get back to that covers the things that you actually need. That's not a business issue. The business only gets the best options that are available to them, or they may, or they try to, or the most cost efficient, or whatever it may be. Oh, by the way, they also get a 2% end-of-the-year flat bonus as well, so it uh, must be nice. Must be nice. 316-728-255. Am I right here? Am I in the wrong? And if I am, explain to me why this is a bad deal and why a 16% increase is not good when no one else is getting anything even close to that in any way, shape, or form. we got some calls on the line. We'll get you as soon as we come back. we got to take a break here. 21 minutes past the hour. It's can't, not to get you fired up first thing on a Saturday morning, but that's kind of what we do. I'm trying to understand because I just don't. And maybe you can explain it to me. Explain it to me, my friends. We'll do that when we come back. It's Candace Talk. It's Saturday morning, the last Saturday in the month of June. Crazy to believe. Lots to get to. Stay here.
25 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out here on a Saturday morning with us on Kansas Talk. Happy Saturday morning to you, man. Are you ready for 4th of July, and what is your celebration? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Wichita City Council Member Brian Fry, he'll be in studio with us here in just a few minutes. We'll talk about a few things. I have to applaud them as well for the fact that we have now approved the bigger fireworks in the city of Wichita. We did it, baby. That's been an ongoing battle on this program when we did the morning show and elsewhere for years, saying... That is the dumbest regulation I've ever seen in my entire life. Hey, celebrate Independence Day and the freedom that you get to live. But you can only fire off fireworks that are only six feet tall. Enjoy that freedom, slave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've been a little upset. So you actually get to do that this year. And uh, we'll talk with Brian about that here in just a moment here. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. On the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, fight the power, Andy. Mr. Sean, what's happening, brother? Oh, buddy. Let me tell you. I have my Joe right now. Jeez. Uh, there's not a whole lot of time left but to tell a joke. Uh, uh, you got four minutes. Go for it. That's a, that's a well, good amount of time in radio. Yeah, that is. You know, I, I, I really wanted to talk about the submarine. Yes, the, the submarine. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was a wild uh, week that we saw. The Here's the weird part. And then, you know, I, you know what? You go ahead first because mine's going to take a little bit of time to break down. And I have a conspiracy theory behind that. Yeah, I can just imagine the conspiracy theories about that. And that's <laughs> what I was going to talk about as well. But first, let me say that uh, you agree with me 100% on unions. And I used to be a union member. So all I can say about that is uh, uh, people, union employees should be thankful they have a damn job to begin with. You know, walking off the job. I I get that there are tons of job opportunities right now. The market is flooded. We are in a worker shortage right now. If you don't like the fact that you're getting a 16% pay increase at your company, then Aren't there other opportunities to go to that may have better opportunities, or are they not paying as much? I mean, what's the deal here? You would think there there are. I mean, there's all kinds of jobs out there that pay different different amounts of uh, money. So, you know, I just all I hear is whining and crying. So, to heck with them. Uh, I'm sure there are those in there who don't want to strike, but. Hey, you know, if you don't, you're a scab, and they're going to pick on you, all that crap. So, anyway, about the sub. Uh, yeah, uh, the Air Force shot that sub down. Or, no, wait a the minute. The Air Force that, shot the sub down. That's an interesting theory. I've not heard that one. The the It was, it was torpedoed. Do you know why it was torpedoed? The Navy torpedoed it, Andy? Why was it torpedoed? Because they couldn't afford... For those people to go down there and find the real reason that the Titanic sunk, because it wasn't sunk by an iceberg, Andy. It was torpedoed by a Navy submarine back in 1912, except that this type of submarine was made from advanced alien technology, okay? <laughs> it was a nuclear-powered submarine that torpedoed the Titanic, That all, all, all because you know, a dozen people on the ship saw the sub mm. on the dark moonless night, and all 1,500 people had to die, so the world wouldn't know. 
You know so what, John? That is a very interesting theory. That's not the direction I was necessarily going with my theory as well. But you know what? I will I will hold on to that one. Sean, we got to take a break here. So I appreciate it, brother. That's a hey, you know what? You top it. I applaud you, my friend. You you take the cake on that one when it comes to the conspiracy theory of the submarine there. So uh thank you, Sean. Appreciate that. Have a great weekend, brother. We'll talk to you again here soon. When we come back, bottom of the hour news, Brian Fry, Wichita City Council member. We'll talk about the ongoing investigation with the city, how he's no longer part of that one. Plus, we'll talk about some other city issues quickly as well. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. the show at 316-721-8255. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into the program. Big Talker. Not done yet. There we go. Thank you. All right. Welcome into the program. Hey, it's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQM. I got excited. I'm sorry. There's a lot to talk about today. And uh, Sean, you definitely take the cake. I applaud you, my friend, for thinking outside the box on the Titanic issue. That was nowhere near my theory. My theory, real briefly, was the fact that the Navy saw the blip on their radar from the implosion on Sunday and yet didn't even respond to the search and rescue until Wednesday while the Coast Guard was trying to search for them for days on end. And then the Navy goes out there and then says, yeah, we have way better technology than the Coast Guard. We could have found them a lot easier. They go down there and within hours they're like, yeah, we found it and it imploded. No, oh, by the way, we totally saw that on the radar back on Sunday. That raises some eyebrows on why we let this go on for so long. And that's a theory that I have, but um, alien submarines blowing up the Titanic back in 1912. That is, you, you know what? I <laughs> I go along with you, my friend, on that one. There we are. Welcome in 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK if you want to join on the show. But let's shift gears a little bit here. Let's bring it back down to the city level. We built this city. With the man himself. It's been a little bit since we've had him in the studio. I know he's been a busy guy, but with some stuff going on in the news, it was Appropriate to bring him in right now, Wichita City Council member, a candidate for mayor as well, Mr. Brian Fry. Brian, what's going on, brother? Hey, good morning, Andy. Always a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for the opportunity, man. Yeah. How many years have we had you on here? <laughs> it's been why it's been a while. Uh it's been quite probably seven or eight years. Seven I've been on eight council years? eight years now and yeah. uh, I think I've been on here pretty much since the beginning. Yeah. So I always have a blast talking to you and and I appreciate your insight. You've helped me Figure out a lot of good things. So well, hopefully, hopefully it helps or at least makes you smile a little bit. On <laughs> it you know, like, always what the hell does. Is this guy man. doing? Yeah. <laughs> First and foremost, I have to applaud you guys. This has been a battle that I have nitpicked about four years on this program of Fourth of July, Independence Day. Celebrate your freedom, <laughs> but your freedom's limited to six foot tall fireworks. <sighs> and now we finally changed that. Thank you guys. Talk about this for a second. So yes, this is a significant change in the city fireworks ordinance. Um, previously. You could not shoot anything that exceeded six feet in aerial height. Now, we know that surrounding cities, Mays, Goddard, Andover, they sell those fireworks. And those are brought into the city of Wichita, and they're shot off, and they're shot off illegally because that was the ordinance. Yeah. Um, by state law, fireworks are allowed to be shot June 27th through July 4th, and <clears throat> but not in the city of Wichita. You could only do the sparklers and the smoke bombs and things like that. But we knew that they were being brought into the city and, and being shot off. And it became a large, difficult enforcement right. challenge. Um, we just simply couldn't respond to all of it. And we've tried different enforcement tactics with uh, police as, um, assisting firefighters. Um, 
part of the way the law is written is it had to be observed. They, they actually had to see you shoot that before they could issue a ticket. And the fines were very low. Sure. Right? And we were getting complaints that, you know, these aerial big booms were starting on June 27th and going all the way through the 4th at all hours. So after years of just, you know, trying to figure out plans, we like, okay, maybe so this is year we do something different. And so now from July 1st through July 4th, you'll be able to shoot off fireworks that exceed the six feet aerial display. Yeah. Um, and if you're from July 1st through the 4th, right? Um, they're not sold in city limits, right? You'll still have to go to Mays or Goddard or Andover to buy them, but you'll be able to bring them in and shoot them off during those times. Sure. If you're caught outside of those times or outside of those days, then it's a $2,000 fine. So a significant difference. Yes. Um, so we're trying to put some penalty in it so that if you're going to do it, only do it on these days. We realize it's going to happen. Let's allow it to happen. Um, we've increased the permit fees for the fireworks tents, and we're going to use that money for education and awareness of these new rules so that people will, and we're still going to have enforcement. Sure. There will still be teams going out there uh, during those days and making sure that people are following the rules as best we can. But um, we just finally realized the inevitable. It's going to happen. Let's try to limit the hours. Limit the days, increase the fines so that people will be more in compliance. And be respectful um, with your neighbors, right? Understand that, you know, other people have to go to work early in the morning. Don't be out past, you know, midnight shooting exactly. fireworks off. Yeah. You know, it so. makes sense. I mean, that's a great compromise because you're allowed to do it, but, you know, do it respectfully and do it within the parameters, which I believe is what, like 9 to midnight or something? I mean, it's it's pretty decent Midnight's range. Midnight's the cutoff. Midnight's the cutoff, yeah. So if you have it until midnight... That's a pretty good, decent time. And starting on Saturday all the way through 4th of July, you have plenty of time to blow up these big ones and just enjoy and do what you want to do. You don't need to be doing that at 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. And this is also to, to try to be in, in compliance with the state law, too, right. so that there's no confusion. This is the state law. We're going to follow the state law and just realize that it's going to happen. Let's try to put some limits on it, put some better enforcement so that people will be in compliance. But, you know, it is something that's allowed in the state, so let's enhance that embrace that yeah i am glad we're doing it it's like i said it's been a long time in coming and i know there's some that that are concerned they always say they're concerned about you know the veterans or the animals or that sort of thing which i i understand absolutely at the same time we have a year to prepare for that because we know what's happening anyways you know so let's let's brace for that let's let's take care of them they can hunker down in the basement and just isolate and you know let's let's do it respectfully and have some fun and that's really why we limited to just july 1st through the 4th um to try to limit the number of days Yes, the state law allows it from the 27th through the 4th. By putting a shorter window on it, we're hoping, and with that increased fine, that people will go, okay, I don't need to do it from the 27th through the 30th. Let's just save it for those days. And that way, hopefully, people can plan and make those um, changes, whatever they need to do. You know, put their dog uh, in a kennel somewhere or leave the city or whatever. But um, just trying to, like I said, put some limits on it and and understand that it's happening and just try to find a compromise that works for everyone. This I think this year worked out perfect as well, anyways, because the fact that the first is on Saturday, so it's not like it's starting on a Wednesday or Thursday night, right. but it's actually starting on a weekend, going into a holiday Monday, Tuesday, where you know people obviously still have to work, but maybe not as aggressively. Right. So. And so we're really going to evaluate this. We've put together a post committee um, that will that's working now, and there's retired firefighters on it and so forth. That will help us observe this season, how it played out, 
Did people follow the rules, et cetera? And what we need to tweak for next year. Yeah. Um, so this is not a hard and fast. This is the way it's going to be forever. Uh, we're putting a post audit committee together basically is what this group is going to do and evaluate how it worked out, what needs to be tweaked, um, what needs to be changed. And one of the things we're talking about is for 24, then they would be allowed to be sold inside city limits. Ooh, okay. Um, the logic behind that is, again, we know it's going to happen. Um, why wouldn't we want to take some of that revenue opportunity and put that back towards more education, more enforcement, et cetera? Sure. Um, but that is something we'll decide in 24 um, after this season and how it plays out. And how it goes. Yeah, I like that. And you guys are still doing your fireworks at Riverfront Stadium as <clears throat> well. Absolutely. Yes, Red, White, and Boom, uh, which is put together by the Wichita Park Foundation and city staff to help do a, a celebration for those that, you know, Love fireworks, but don't want to take the risk or the or the expense. Fireworks are expensive, sure, <laughs> right? Sure. Um, so this is the way you can celebrate and enjoy it, and, and see really big shows, sure, right, from the comfort of Riverfront Stadium. Yeah, so. I love it. That's going to be awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys doing that, trying something different. I know last year was kind of wonky because you guys tried a different way of enforcement, and I don't think it worked out very well. And I think that's when the fire department came and said, "Hey." We got to do something different here. Yeah, and again, we've been trying this enforcement technique or uh, tactics. We know where the hot spots are. No right. pun intended, <laughs> but we know where the fireworks are being shot. We, we know, know who you are. We yeah. know where the calls are coming in, and so we had roving teams sure. uh, between law enforcement and fire department that were going out and and really responding to the ones that were getting to be big, big issues. Sure. Uh, but again, part of the ordinance was you had to catch them in the act of it, which is very difficult to do. Sure. So. Very cool. I like it. Let's shift gears to the big news we saw this week, the lawsuit that's been ongoing in the city, and you have been officially demitted from that lawsuit. <laughs> You're no longer part of this one. Uh, for those that don't know what it is, start from the beginning and talk about what's going on and the ongoing investigation and lawsuit that you're no longer a part of. Right. So this is uh, tied to the texting scandal that Wichita PD and Sedgwick County Sheriff and some other folks were involved in um, that had racial overturns overtones um, and the the way the discipline was handled from that and big controversy it played out for a long time and some things were addressed and some weren't um, lawsuits were filed uh, against the city by some uh, police department executives a couple of deputy chiefs and I spoke out against that during a council meeting and then I got named in that lawsuit and then just recently, uh, just a little over a week ago, about a week ago, um, I was dismissed from that lawsuit. Sure. Um, so it was a good victory. Um, you know, I was asked, would I do it again? I said, absolutely. Um, I feel it's my responsibility as a council member to stand up for what is right and to be able to speak out when I see something that is not right. Sure. And that's what I did within that context. Uh, I never said anything about the gentleman, the two deputy chiefs, personally. Uh, I just said it was something that I think what they were doing was wrong uh, and that they should resign. Sure. And that was the basis of the lawsuit. Sure. So, um, but fortunately it was dismissed and, you know, um, we're just moving forward. Well, that is good news. Well, first off, congratulations on yeah. actually being away from that. It, it, it's sad that we have to go through this, um, but I guess looking at it from the eternal optimist side is, you know, let's talk about, how things are done and, and look at, have a deeper look at how things are operating. Yeah. I guess. And I have no issue with the gentleman wanting to file a lawsuit against the city. That's within their sure. right. Right. They certainly had that option. Uh, I just didn't like the way it went down 
yeah. and that's what I spoke out against. Right. So, um, again, you have that right. Do it. Just do it in a way that doesn't. Yeah. I didn't agree with. A little bit more civility. Yeah. A little bit more civility. Yeah. Right. Uh, because, I mean, for overall, the city council, the fire department, the police department, I mean, everybody pretty much works pretty closely and works well together, don't they? Yes, and we should. I mean, that is the number one responsibility uh, that a civic government, a city government has, is to take care of its people. And yeah. you do that with police protection, fire protection, good infrastructure. Uh, that's 72% of our budget. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. And yeah. because of that, we have to work well together. We have to communicate. We have to make sure we're taking care of our people. Um, we have to make sure we're taking care of our infrastructure. And you only do that if you're collab- collaborating and working together with each other. Yeah. And so it takes an open line of communication. Yeah. Speaking of, how's it been working with uh, Joe Sullivan, our new police chief? I know he's had a lot of big ideas wanting to do some stuff right. with the police force. We've had him in the show a couple months ago. Oh, good. But how's, uh, how is he doing right now? You know, I think he's really enjoying Wichita. It's a change of pace compared to <laughs> Philadelphia. Yes. Right? Um, certainly, you know, police issues are police issues, and those don't change from city to city. You're going to have, you know, crime and, and violence but not at the number uh, and the number of occurrences and instances compared to Philadelphia. Right. And so bringing that big city experience, you know, he's seen different ways of doing things, um, different techniques and tactics uh, on a much larger scale. And so bringing some of that expertise to our city, I think, is invaluable. Um, he's had what he started in December. Yeah. So it's been a fast seven months. Um, he's had to, he's been in high gear and he's had to deal with some issues. You know, this scandal was one of them, um, which he's re- been, he's been really open about that and just yep. letting it kind of play out. Right. And reshaping his command staff. He's sure. hired, promoted a couple of, uh, new deputy chiefs recently. And so getting the department organized the, the way he'd like to operate it is certainly always a challenge. You know, you're the new guy coming in, you got to figure out who the people are and the personalities and the lay of the land and get familiar with you know, uh, our street system, et cetera. But I think he's really enjoying it. Um, he's got family nearby in Kansas city, so he's able okay. to get to see them and very cool. Um, a little more often. So, um, but yeah, he's, I know he's been very active getting out and meeting a lot of, a lot of people the, and he's very, uh, communicative with the council. He shares with us a lot of the things that are going on, which is always appreciated. Yeah. Uh, how's he doing on recruitment? I know he was trying to do a big push with that. We yeah. were like about 80 officers short. 96 so right now. 96. It's even gone up, I think, since yes. last time we talked. So this is a challenge that's affecting cities all across the country. Everyone has the same issue right now with um, recruiting police officers and then also retaining them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not an environment that uh, people appreciate and respect police officers like they did when we were growing up. Right. Right. It's a different model. It's a different job. Sure. They're just no longer guardians. Um, they are social workers. They are caretakers. Uh, they are law enforcement. It's a lot of different roles they have to play, and that takes a different type of person, sure. a different training, crisis intervention training, has to be dealing with homelessness. I mean, there's just so much more they have to deal with. And then the whole attitude because of things like Minneapolis and Memphis and the way officers have done bad things, right? Even our own texting scandal, it doesn't lead to a lot of faith and confidence in law enforcement. There are great cops out there, but it's the bad ones are the ones that do stupid things that make it difficult for the rest of them. And it makes it difficult to recruit for that job. And so everyone's going through the same issue. Um, We constantly talk to our union and representatives from that. And what is the best environment? What are the things that we need to be doing? 
certainly I believe uh, pay is a big piece of this. We are not the highest in the state uh, for entry-level pay of officers. That has to be addressed sure. uh, probably sooner rather than later um, because we need to, we're the biggest city in the state. We need to act like it. And exactly. we need to take care of our people. I mentioned this earlier. It also has to do with other benefits, right? You need to make sure that they have a good work environment, facilities, and equipment that allows them to do their job. I mentioned the training and support, that constant um, assistance with that. These mm-hmm. all go into creating a best working environment so that we're able to keep our people, but then we're also able to recruit. 96 officers, uh, positions that are open right now, and we have 11 in the academy. Mm. That's going to take a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it's not possible. Yeah. Right? So we were, we're doing some different things to try to recruit. Um, and recruit high quality. That's the, yes. that's the point. Yeah, we have to make sure we're getting the best and the brightest. Um, so they're, they're doing some different advertising, some different recruitment things. They're looking at different standards. Um, all of the things are, are part of it. Yeah. But we have to have the most attractive position in the state for people to want to come here. True. I would sign up, but I'd have to run in things <laughs> and be physically active. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm not either. Yeah. yeah see, okay. there is that. There's that. We got just about a minute or so here as we wrap up, but uh, I, we'll get you on later to talk more in depth about the campaign itself. But how's it going? I know you've been working hard. Oh, absolutely. It's 37 days out from the primary, which Good is golly. August 1st. Um, advanced voting. Advanced voting starts in about 14 days on July 12th. Man, it's coming up fast. So it is, and so you know we're doing everything. We got. Uh, marketing out there, mailers, social media, signs, door knocking, knocking doors, yeah. all that, you know, um, my previous campaigns was one district. Now it's six. So there's a <laughs> lot more involved. You had to expand yourself a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably need to get to running again. <laughs> oh, hey, you know what? You're preparing for your uh, position later on after that to yep. uh, get into law enforcement. But thank you is. for asking. No, it's important um, to me. It's, I think it's important to the city that we get some change Yeah. in the mayor's office. Uh, I think that the city wants change, but they also deserve change. Sure. Um, and they deserve experience, and that's what I bring. I love it. We'll get you back on to talk about the campaign itself more in depth later on on the program. It's Wichita City Council Member Mr. Brian Fry. It's always good to talk to hey, you, my friend. Thank I know you. It was a short appreciate today, it. but I know you're that's a busy guy, and we'll get you on. I know you are too, and thanks again. I appreciate you and your show and, and your listeners. Always a pleasure, my friend. Let's do it. We'll take a break. Wrap up hour number one when we come back. Warren Martin from Kansas Strong. He'll join us in hour number two to talk about the energy markets and a heck of a lot more here on Kansas Talk on KQAM. Holy cow, hour number one all wrapped up here flies right on by when we come back we have a big hour number two warren martin candace strong we'll talk about energy yeah it's summertime as texas is going through their issues with the heat right now they have less than five percent of their energy reserves for the electric grid (laughs) hey how is shutting down them coal plants working out for you so we'll talk about that in a little bit with warren we'll talk about uh, the biden administration opec not wanting to produce as much oil all that and how things are faring here in the state of Kansas and the Mid-America region. Bottom of next hour to wrap up as well. It is today the one-year anniversary of the reversal of Roe v. Wade as we talk about the abortion issue and obviously Kansas making the big news last year being the first state to vote on an abortion bill after the post-Roe v. Wade decision. We'll talk with Marjorie Denenfelser. She's the president of the Susan B. Anthony Pro-America organization 
fighting for pro-life initiatives across the country. And she's familiar with what's going on here in the state of Kansas as well. So uh, we did that interview yesterday. We'll play that to wrap up the show on today, June 24th, the one-year anniversary of the reversal of Roe v. Wade from the Supreme Court of the United States. We have all that and, of course, your phone calls. I'm still waiting. I want to hear your thoughts on this strike, Spirit Aerosystems, the Machinist Union, the unions taking over, telling you that a 34% increase in wages is not good enough at a time when... Well, is that really appropriate to do? Really at any time, it's a 34%. Be like, nah, that's not good enough. I want more. Really? We'll do some more of that as we wrap up the show as well. Hour number two right around the corner. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. KQAM. Stay here. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. Hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM side, 99.7 HD4 if you have that HD radio on the FM side. Also, our friends out in Garden City, Kansas at 1240 KIUL, all broadcasting on a Saturday morning. What's up? Welcome into it. Happy Saturday. Trying to get you up and moving for another weekend. One weekend away from 4th of July, Independence Day, America, baby greatest holiday of the year we're coming out of pride month and then we get to go into a better pride month which is american pride let's just continue it on all month although i'm sure the city of wichita may not like that because then we'd be blowing up fireworks for an entire month and that might not be good we just got our big fireworks back in town let's not abuse that system shall we <laughs> welcome into it 316-721-8255 316-721-TALK if you want to join in, I want to shift gears, though, a little bit, go up to a statewide and really a regional level. And we've done this a few times as we go into the heat season right now. It is beautiful, though it's going to be like 90, mid-90s over the weekend. I am not looking forward to that. Uh, by the way, programming note for you. Next week, Wednesday through Friday, I will be broadcasting down live at the southern border in McAllen, Texas. I will be joining the organization with Americans for Prosperity's Foundation, and we'll be doing the bus tours. We get to meet Myra Flores, which I'm super excited about. We get to meet some other Border Patrol agents. We get to tour right there on the border at some of the different uh, checkpoints and facilities and the wall and how things are going. And they're telling me that it's going to be 106 degrees down there in McAllen, Texas next week. I am trying to prepare myself for such heat because you know me, man. I like the cold. I want the negative 20 back. Can we just can we have that back, please? I, I miss that type of temperature. So 106 is going to be brutal, and I have to prepare myself and psych myself up for that one. But I'm excited to go down there. It's going to be a great honor. That's Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday next week. I think I'll be back Friday enough to do the show live in studio for The Voice of Reason, but Wednesday and Thursday we'll be down there. And uh, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see how that one goes. So uh, that's the pro. But Texas right now is in their heat streak to where they are, from what I've heard, less than 5% left of their uh, their electricity reserves. because And that may be even lower now. That was a couple days ago. 
because people are sucking up the energy. And how does it feel to get rid of those coal plants and everything else for your energy down there? Huh? Yeah, that, that worked out swell for you, didn't it? You didn't have enough to keep you warm during the winter a couple of years ago. Now you can't keep yourself cool during the extreme heat. To talk about energy, talk about how things are going in the oil and gas industry and a heck of a lot more. Really happy to have this guy back on the program. It's been a while since he's been on the show. He's the president of Candace Strong, CandaceStrong.com, Mr. Warren Martin. Warren, what's going on, sir? How you doing? Hey, Andy. Great to be with you. It's great to be back on the program. Yeah, it's great to chat with you again. Man, what a crazy time. Now it's summer. Everybody wants the AC to be working. Everybody wants the gas prices to be down because, well, we want to go on vacation. And that doesn't seem to be the case. How are we doing right now compared to, oh, I don't know, the last few months? I mean, OPEC says they don't want to produce as much oil. We're not drilling still here uh, domestically. We're still begging overseas to try and get us our energy. And uh, we're starting to see that price at the gas pump continue to rise again for summer. Well, but the difference between this year and last year is the rise in the price is driven by market demand more than anything else right now. Whereas last year it was driven by artificial international um, issues that were taking place, and so yes, Saudi Arabia and OPEC Plus, uh, they're you know OPEC Saudi Arabia is part of OPEC Plus, and they decided as OPEC Plus to uh, reduce the amount of oil they were going to produce. Saudi Arabia added an additional voluntary cut on top of that, but we really haven't seen that impact the markets very much because. Um, uh, United States leading 10 other countries have increased their production uh, to be able to compensate for everything that Saudi Arabia and OPEC plus cut. And so it really hadn't had a dynamic impact. Uh, there are some fluctuations that could have a dynamic impact, and that's right now China and Japan. Uh, they're buying up tons of oil, and no one's real sure if they're buying it up because it's a uh, lower price right now. Oil's down. We're down around 69 Dollars a barrel, seventy-one, uh, uh, depending on what benchmark you're looking at. Uh, so that that drops that price down, and so China may just be taking advantage and, stock, and stocking stuff up uh, while the price is low. But if they continue to buy, China and Japan continue to buy at the same rates that they are right now. Eventually, midsummer, you will see a, a increase in oil prices based on that international pool. But it all is being driven by the market rather than being driven by political forces like it was last year when we were paying a dollar more per gallon at this point in time. Very interesting. Well, at least that's a slight bit of good news on that front. Now, Russia, let's talk about Russia for a second. The ongoing conflict with Russia and the Ukraine is still there, although there's some internal workings apparently of a civil war breaking out now in Russia as well. But from what I had heard over the last few years, they've also been working to stock up on oil supply and then sell it to OPEC or other places. Is that true? And are they still doing that? They were stocking up quite a bit. Uh, they're having to utilize that now because they've been cut off from the rest of the you know civilized world, basically. Um, so they're having to utilize more of that internally rather than exporting it. Uh, the international market has really compensated for Russian exports, which has helped in Europe. It's still stifling energy prices in Europe, uh, and you know, but it, it's helped and has taken some of that pressure off, and so. You know, Russia, Ukraine, unless something dynamic happens, unless a full-blown civil war breaks out, uh, it's where it knocks their oil and gas production offline completely. Um, you know, we shouldn't see any major shifts based on those international in, uh, uh, international issues that are taking place, unless they just blow up big time. And yeah. they would have to blow up pretty big because 
we've been in this long enough now that everybody's kind of anticipated potential uh, you know, blips in the market based on what activity is taking place there. Sure. Let's go to the domestic front here. And I know the debt ceiling bill that was passed in Congress just a couple of weeks ago, raising the debt ceiling also included some of the perks for some of the moderates to get on board with that bill. One of those was an expansion of a natural gas pipeline, uh, a little bit more on the East Coast. But is that going to help at least a little bit in some of the energy usage that we have here in Kansas, or at least in the country in general? It'll help in the country in general. I mean, right now, you know, we're 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 right on that line where we're getting, you know, we're always really close to being whether we're a net exporter or a net importer. We usually fall we fall on that where we're importing a little bit more than we're exporting. Um, so, you know, we kind of fall on that line. But the main reason that we import the, the main reason we import at all is because uh, the northeast portion of the United States has resisted any development of pipelines, any building of pipelines. So all of the energy that's being produced in the Midwest states here in Kansas and, and all through the Midwest, there's no way to get it to the Northeast. If you want to get it to the Northeast, you have to put it on a ship, send it all the way around Florida up the coast, and uh, dock it up there and unload it. And it's cheaper to buy to import it in that area than it is for us to take that effort to move it all around. So what we generally do is oil that comes off that is a surplus uh, from the Gulf region. We export that oil, and then we import almost the same amount into the northeast corner of of the United States to be able to compensate because there are very few pipelines that take energy back that direction because they're so resistant to those. And so it is a good thing, and it could help overall. uh, The more we're able to transport energy within our own nation, the less we're, we have to depend upon imports from other nations. Yeah. So. I, I know this is more of an electric issue, but we did see the news earlier this week, or I believe last week, whenever it was, of some of the alternative uh, energy sources and the company, I believe it was Evergy, or one of the big utility companies that are building the pathway uh, to transport some of the wind and solar panel energy to the East Coast and building that line essentially across the state of Kansas. Is that going to affect us in any way? I mean, that's going to, I guess, generate some revenue, but we're not utilizing the energy that we're producing here in the state. Well, and that's a, that's exactly it, is we continue to follow a model of, instead of being driven by markets, instead of the consumer being able to have the choice where I can go out and say, okay, I want to figure out what the cheapest energy source that I can utilize is in my home. Uh, we continue to make huge investments into renewables, uh, making very few investments into traditional energy supplies, which is why what you were talking about earlier, what's going on in the heat wave down in Texas, and be able to provide the electricity. We have more than enough energy to provide electricity for everybody uh, in the United States. We're just utilizing uh, the wrong sources. We're taking sources offline to, in order to put other sources online, and the sources we're putting online are not prepared yet, and the transmission lines are not placed, and the grid's not av- available to be able to uh, provide them. And it reminds me of, you know, John F. Kennedy uh, when he came out, and this is basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the benefit of the doubt to, uh, uh, to the, the people who are really pushing for renewable energy investment. And I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, maybe you're sincere. Maybe you're sincere in what you're trying to accomplish. And to them, they see this energy, quote, energy transition, which I disagree that's even happening at all, but this energy transition that's taking place, that's their moonshot. And you go back to John F. Kennedy. What everybody remembers of John F. Kennedy was he said, by the end of this decade, we're going to go to the moon. That's not what he said. 
What he said is, by the end of this decade, we're going to find a way to safely send a man to the moon and return him home safely. Mm -hmm. And it was the whole mission. It wasn't just sending him to the moon. It was getting back, getting back safely. And the big difference between what's going on now and what went on then was is that element of safety where we have, we now are in a political situation where people are pushing for renewables to such a degree that they're not worried about whether it destroys our entire civilization, not worried about if it destroys our entire economy. Um, they just want to see the transition takes place and that getting back safely is a key component to any mission that you have. And so there's no, you know, we're going to need every available source of energy that we can possibly get. We've got to grow our energy by 28% by the year 2050. Uh, energy demand is going to increase that much. We're going to increase by 1.5 billion people on the earth between now and 2050. More people, more energy. We're going to need every available source of energy that we can possibly get. It's just ludicrous at this point in time when we're trying to find a way to increase by 28% of our energy to be taking anything offline, to be yeah. taking anything uh, out of the mix. And what's going on in Texas, the real reason why there's any issue at all is because during that period from the cold snap where we had those inflated natural gas prices that we still haven't seen come down because we can't catch up, um, from between that period and now, there's been virtually no investment in building infrastructure for storage tanks to be able to provide natural gas to be able to provide electricity. That's a really scary thought, and uh, you would think that we would have learned our lesson back then when the cold front happened and be like, wow, when we see extreme branches of temperature, either really cold or really hot, that maybe we should be prepared for something like this, and we haven't. Instead, we continue to hear about the closing of coal plants. We continue to hear about, like you said, oils being bad, natural gas being bad, not setting up any reserves here in any way, shape, or form. And if we're just still trying to catch up, how in the world are we going to sustain when we go through a heat streak like this for a long stint? This is unsustainable and should be a major red flag for elected officials going into the future when we have a 28 to 30 percent demand increase in utilities and electric and, and gas and just energy in general over the next few years that maybe we should start doing something a little bit differently to be prepared for that situation. But it doesn't sound like we're a whole lot of four thinkers here. No, it's the same situation that they had in Europe. I mean, uh, in Europe, you know, there was a huge movement for the greatest movement that's ever had taken place to go to completely renewable, to get out of the oil and gas industry, to diversify and get away from all kinds of stocks and investments in oil and gas production, uh, you know, to really get away from all that coal, everything, nuclear, get away from all of that. And then uh, Russia invades Ukraine, and Europe wakes up and is like, oh, man, we didn't mean to do that. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, you know, I was hoping that what happened in Texas a couple of years ago with the cold snap was kind of our wake-up moment of, oh, oh, wait a minute, we just can't turn things off. We've got to have some type of, uh, of reserve to be able to ramp up our electricity production, especially when the sun's not shining and the wind's not blowing. Yeah. And but we didn't we didn't have that wake up moment to some degree. I think you had I've, I've had more conversations. I've been busier this year than I've been in seven years. As I said to you before, uh, we got on air uh, simply because more and more people are willing to have that energy conversation. I think we're beginning to have that energy conversation that extends way beyond gas prices, way beyond natural gas prices, it extends to every aspect of our life. It's a huge driver of inflation. Um, if we don't address our energy issues uh, in a very clear way that is market-driven and allows the market to determine the price 
rather than artificial influences of where you can drill, where you can't drill, what you can use, what you can't use, what kind of stove you can have, what kind of stove you can't have. You know, all of those are artificial uh, burdens that are put on it that raises energy costs. Yeah. Uh, last question for you, Warren Martin. It's Candace Strong, CandaceStrong.com, because, and I appreciate your time. This is a really fascinating topic, especially, like you said, with the demand that's going to continue to increase. But Kansas specifically, now that we're going into our own warm season, thankfully it's been rainy. Thankfully we're trying to get rid of some of this drought condition. Thankfully it hasn't been quite as hot as what we saw at this time last year, where we're finally just breaking into the 90s really for the first time uh, for the summer. But when it comes to energy usage in Kansas, and the oil and gas industry in Kansas specifically, how are we faring right now compared to some of the other states surrounding us? Well, the price hurts us. Uh, you know, whatever the benchmark is, you can basically take $10 off of that, and that's where Kansas oil is. Um, and so we're getting down close to that point where, just like everybody, every other industry, inflation has impacted us in the ability to get steel, the ability to get pipe, the ability to uh, transport. Uh, all of those things have impacted, which we're a marginal well society. We work on the thinnest of margins. And so when that price drops and all of our costs go up, we're not like a shoe manufacturer where we get to go out and say, okay, it cost me $100 to make this shoe. I'm going to sell it for $120 and I'll make $20. Yeah. We don't get to do that. We're, t- we're price takers, not price makers. Whatever the market is providing, we have to decide, okay, can we produce oil and make money off of producing oil um, at this current price with the inflated cost of everything it takes to produce the oil. And so in a marginal society, that makes us a little more susceptible uh, to those pressures. And we're kind of right on that breaking line of, you know, we're at that point where most of the oil companies can keep their productions going and continue making profit, but it's limiting their ability to go out and do more discovery and drill more wells um, and, and those types of things. But probably the biggest impact that we're having right now or the biggest impact that's ha- that's m- is on our industry right now is jobs, just like mm. every other industry. We need workers out in the field. We could amplify our production. We could be drilling more wells if we could find the people uh, to work those jobs. And so if someone's out there looking for a job, this is a great opportunity, a great time to look up the local oil and gas companies, look up the um, uh, drilling companies, the service companies that service the oil and gas industry. I guarantee you, almost all of them are hiring right now, and that is the number one thing that's holding us back right now is those jobs. We could really use more good people in our industry. It seems like a trend we're seeing in a lot of different industries as well, and I've said this in the agricultural industry, and I say this again with the energy industry as well. I don't know how you guys do it when you try to make a product, actually make a living and make some money, and every aspect of how much money you make is completely out of your hands based on the market and based on the demand and based on transportation and based on availability and the research. Uh, Just like farmers in trying to grow a crop with the price of that commodity on the market, in the, in the demand in that trade, I don't know how you guys do it, and I don't know the anxiety you guys have to go through just to try and survive another day. So I commend you for that, and I appreciate all the education that you bring to everybody out there. That's amazing. Well, it's my pleasure, and I, I guarantee you uh, the industry that we have is high risk, high reward. It brings in some extraordinary individuals that have uh, a lot of fortitude uh, yeah. to be able to manage those those market changes. It's amazing. Warren Martin, Candace Strong, CandaceStrong.com. Go and check out the website to learn more about the Candace oil and natural gas industry. And Warren, I know you go around and educate and talk to people and do webinars and seminars and talk to people about this, educating them because, like you said, people are waking up. They want to know more about it on why. Hey, why are my utility rates going up? I thought this windmill and solar panel was going to take care of it all. And 
for realizing it's not. Warren, we appreciate the time, brother. Let's get you back on again soon. Job's great. Thanks, Andy. Hey, always a pleasure. We love having Warren Martin on the program. CandaceStrong.com. We'll get him back on again soon. All right, we'll take a break. Take some of your phone calls. Talk about some other issues. Wrapping up Kansas Talk on a Saturday morning right here on Wichita's Big Talker. KQAM, KIUL out in Garden City, Kansas. Statewide for the lower half, baby. That's the way we roll right here on the program. Hang tight. into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. 28 minutes past the hour. Got just a minute before we go to our bottom of the hour break. Thanks again to Warren Martin. Great information and what a a bit of an eye-opener. And for some that uh, look at the way government handles the energy market especially, it is quite eye-opening to see what the private sector actually has to go through. Because at the end of the day, the government does not create anything. And I want to say that very clearly for the ones on the other side of the aisle that listen to the program. Government does not create wealth government does not create resources government does not create anything except for subsidized taxpayer subsidized jobs that work for the public sector that leech off of the private sector that's all they create that's all andy what about all those projects like highway projects and all the infrastructure projects yeah you know what they create there they create taxpayer burdens because they're not the ones creating the wealth they're the ones taking taxpayer money to subsidize a job, to get it done, but not in the most efficient way because, well, the government's involved. And name one thing the government's actually efficient at other than being non-efficient and taking your taxpayer money. That's the only thing that they're good at. So to learn from it from the industry itself and what's really going on is quite eye-opening. And it shows, again, just how inefficient the solar panel, windmills, alternative energies are. Not saying they're evil and bad. But they're not sustainable to completely transition onto as a society, which is what we're seeing with the Green New Deal and the push from Democrats nationwide. All right, we'll take a break here. When we come back, the one-year anniversary of Roe v. Wade's ending, demolishing from the Supreme Court of the United States, a major decision that came out last year. What does that mean today? We'll do that when we come back to wrap up the last half hour of the program on Candace Talk right here on KQAM. Talk. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into the program. Last half hour on the home stretch, baby. That's the way we roll here on Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM, KIUL, out in Garden City, Kansas, as well. Thanks for hanging out with us today. 316 721 8255, 316 721 Talk on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. If you want to jump on for the last little bit of the show, it's been a fun one for sure. A lot of content. Thanks again to Brian Fry, Wichita City Council member, also. Warren Martin, we just had on the program with CandaceStrong.com. And you can check out all the natural uh, oil and natural gas industries in the state. All right, today is also June, 21st, uh, June 24th, 
which is the one-year anniversary of the reversal, if I can speak, good golly, what happened to me, of Roe v. Wade from the Supreme Court of the United States. One year ago today, and the left lost their mind. Do you remember those stories? (laughs) Yeah, you remember those stories from a year ago where we had the media like, uh, it's an utter chaos and just, uh, just everybody doesn't know what to do and women are dying in the streets because they can't get proper health care. That's what they said because they don't like change and the only change they do like is when government's taking care of us more and adding a new government agency that's going to help, that's going to be more efficient, this is wonderful. But when we start letting it go and letting people make their own decisions, going back to the concept of federalism, letting states decide their own ideas as well. They don't like that very often. So, of course, women were dying in the streets. They didn't know whether they could go to their doctor and actually get treatment for their pregnancies, and they were going to just uh, let them die in their in their stomach and poison them and kill them off because we just were taking women back to the 1950s and taking away all their rights. Soon, they said we were going to take their rights to vote away even because we're going back in time with women's rights issues. That was the hyperbole and the lunacy that was spread Starting today, a year ago, and it hasn't really stopped throughout the year because then we've had states that have decided to either legalize it or not legalize it or put some restrictions on it or address maybe the telemedicine issue. So abortion has been the forefront and center of the talking points, which is hard for some individuals because social issues are sometimes difficult for some to discuss. But yet it needs to be discussed because it's a major portion of the conversation in politics today. And if we don't address it and we turn the blind eye and just say, it's too frustrating, I get too angered, I don't want to deal with it, that's when the other side ends up taking advantage of that situation and promoting theirs, and that's why they always end up winning. So to talk about some of that and more for that one-year anniversary, we sat down yesterday with Marjorie Denenfelser. She is the president of the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America organization promoting free, uh, promoting life promoting the value of the child and trying to promote those pieces of legislation across different states in the nation. We sat down with Marjorie yesterday, and this is what she had to say. Marjorie, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming on very much. What a world we live in today. We never, I got to admit, I never thought that we would see first the reversal of Roe v. Wade from the Supreme Court with how, quote unquote, progressive we've seen the courts over the last few years. So, it was a big win, but it's kind of left us in an interesting situation now, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it, it was a, <clears throat> a big win. It took uh, uh, quite a matchup. It had to be a pro-life majority Senate, a pro-life president who would fulfill promises, a, um, three justices, uh, you know, in one president's uh, term, and then the perfect case from Mississippi yeah. uh, for the court to test. So, it was, you know, the, that lining up of stars. Um, was a, certainly a fruit of a, of a lot of work, but then also just um, the right place, right time, and then a really strong muscle from the pro-life movement to make sure that all those things happen. But as you say, what that is now is that that has produced for us a starting line. We've just begun. Now the wheels of democracy are moving. Uh, there, uh, It is out of the hands of judges. It's in the hands of the people speaking through their elected representatives. And within one year, almost half the nation has passed a very strong protections for unborn children and committed to serving mothers in the way that they need in a growing and flourishing group of programs, public and private, for women serving women who find themselves 
uh, in need uh, in a crisis pregnancy. Yeah. So that's a, that is a lot in one year. After 50 years of working to get there, we've got a lot to be uh, happy about. And, and I can tell you, the other side is completely spun up. <laughs> and uh, and so the, the game is on. And not a game, but, uh, but it is definitely... Um, an intent uh, place out there. Well, it's a game of chess for sure, uh, politically wise, because they find every way to try to create a narrative that women aren't getting the health care that they need, quote unquote. And I use that in air quotes because we know that that's not technically health care in some way, shape or form. But they're using that as the argument of as soon as they reversed Roe v. Wade at the federal level, they were saying how people are so confused and how women in Texas were dying in the streets literally because they couldn't get the care that they actually needed. The, The fear tactics and the politics that was played was honestly really sickening to see how they played this, and they still keep it up just a year later. Well, one thing it wasn't and isn't is centered on the real needs of women, because in Texas and in everywhere, they are, they were vested in being confused, that vested in being confused that they could communicate to the world that they were confused. But the law itself was certainly not confusing. Um, the law itself uh, requires a protection of women from uh, anything that that it, that threatens her her health. And so if it's an ectopic pregnancy, be not confused. Save the woman's life. Unfortunately means the child would not have lived anyway. So there's a lot of examples like that. And and the lack of focus on on woman the woman as the center of the project along with her child is um is what we see in what the abortion lobby offers to women at a moment um at a dark place in her life. So opposite of what is offered by the 3,000 pregnancy care centers across the country and many new programs that governors are signing into law along with strong limits on abortion. Um, so it's, a, it's justice and mercy for the baby, justice and mercy for the mom. They go hand in hand. Uh, and that is something that the public in general has not been treated to for 50 years, um, that beautiful uh, task. And so it will change us and it will change us in ways and there'll be some growing pains. But one thing is for sure is that left and right agree now that 60,000 children will live and not die so far based on laws passed. Yeah. And, um, and the women who are their mothers will be served in ways that they've never been served before, perhaps getting them out of cycles of poverty, abusive relationships, um, addiction, or just a financial crisis or difficulty, whatever, in a way that affirms the life of her child and herself. Amen to that. It is a great first step, and we love seeing that. We're talking with Marjorie Dannenfelser. She's the president of the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, which you can find online at sbaprolife.org. Let's talk about the next battle. What's the next step in this? Because now that states are starting to decide how they want to handle this issue on a statewide level. I live in Kansas, where our flagship radio station is, and we had the very first uh, election after the reversal last year uh, that uh, that decided whether our Supreme Court in the state was actually going to decide uh, whether abortion was a constitutional right or not, which surprisingly here in Kansas, even where we're at in middle America, we voted to uphold the Kansas Supreme Court's power to decide, which they said was a constitutionally protected right. So we're kind of the safe haven for abortion right now in Kansas compared to some of the other mid-America regions. But Missouri's banned it. Other states are working to ban it. But we have that issue. We have the telemedicine issue with telemedicine abortion right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the next step in this battle on the state levels across the nation right now? There, uh, I know Kansas, and I know it's not over in Kansas, um, though that was a painful, painful um, defeat. It certainly does not reflect the will of the people of Kansas. So 
So that's not over. But similar battles, of course, are going on in other states all over the country. And that is the um, abortion lobby moving into nine states. They have decided to try to inject abortion into those state constitutions. They require changes in those constitutions in order to overturn their newly enacted pro-life laws. That is an enormous battle. And the first of those is in Ohio, who has a heartbeat bill, and that'll be this this year election. So November 7th, I believe it is, is the election this year. So there's, that's important. Of course, you know, expanding where we can now, one year later, uh, a lot of them, the states that we are looking at are, are kind of purpley states. So the uh, protections are, will not be able to be potentially as strong, even though we'll be as ambitious as we can, and as we are actually pressing for um, creative and powerful help for moms. Also, looking to the federal elections, the presidential race, we're going to be right in the middle of primaries. We already are on the Republican side. And so what we require of these primary candidates running for the president of the United States is vital. It is a top priority. If they think they don't have a job to do, then they should not qualify to be the president of the United States from the eyes of the pro-life movement. So uh, making sure that they describe what their minimum federal standard would be past which states should not go is really important. That states can do be as bold as they can be, but California's got to at least abide by some humane standard at some place. So that those two things are are vitally important in, in, in addition to the service to moms programs that we and other organizations are involved in. Yeah, amen to that. Last question for you is I know the Democrats and the other side, this is really one of their sweet spot issues. It's identity politics, it's the social issues, it's the dividing of the, uh, the family unit, uh, which this is a major portion of that one. Obviously, they're going to try it in some way, shape, or form. Are they going to try, do you think, to reinstate some other version of Roe v. Wade at a federal level unless we stop them with the elections? Well, you know, you just actually said what probably the most important thing I should have said before is, yes, it is their top priority to pass a federal law that would wipe out every single pro-life protection. Um, of course, they don't think that moms need anything other than the abortion, so they're not they're not proposing any other programs going along with that. Planned Parenthood is not. Um, and then we'll require the the um, eliminating of the filibuster in the Senate, which they will they have all said they're very happy to do. So that means after all this work, after 50 years of getting to the starting line, it would it if that passed, it would be like Dobbs never even happened. Yeah. Um, abortion on demand, up into the end, paid for by taxpayers in every single state in the country. And that's why the presidency and the Congress matter so much, um, com- you know, moving into 2024. Yeah. I completely agree. It's a major issue, and we have to stay on top of this one because every time we take a breath and we take a step back is when they take a step forward and they end up implementing it, and it's a battle all over again. You can find them online, Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, online at sbaprolife.org. Uh, we appreciate the time very much, Marjorie. Keep up the fight. Let's get you back on the show again real soon, my friend. Oh, God bless you, and thank you for having me.
talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. Glenda's back on the line with us this week. Glenda, how are you today? I'm doing well, Andy, and you? Doing good. Always good to chat with you. We talk a lot about the Fraud Watch Network, a lot of the scams and frauds going on in the country. And uh, even though maybe a lot of people have forgotten about their New Year's resolution, top, uh, beginning of the year, wanting to lose weight, wanting to get back in shape, it's summertime, which means the beach bods are here, and I know I have to work on mine. So a lot of people may be looking on <laughs> weight loss programs, which means there's always an opportunity for a weight loss scam. Talk about the latest that you guys have found. Absolutely, Andy. You know, as you said, summer's here and vacation time. And also with that happening and being on the beach, people then began to think about how do I, what can I do to lose weight? And we want to do it fast, right? So criminals we know take advantage of this season to offer those bogus solutions for losing weight or getting in shape. And so there's a few things that we just want to share with our listeners of how this can happen. Perfect. Yeah. Talk about some of those. How how can we be aware of some of these? All right. So what will happen is you're doing a weight, uh, just a search on the web about weight loss pills, for example, and you pull up a legitimate looking website that uh, often is supposedly even something that a celebrity would endorse. And the website encourages you to sign up for a free trial, which if you really read the tiny print, it opts you into getting charged for regular orders or additional products, those things that you know kind of go on and on, so you have to be aware of that. So lastly, the products themselves, Andy, uh, you'll notice that sometimes they are marked as natural or, or may even organic, but we need to be aware that some of those products can be unsafe to, for your body. So you really just need to be aware of those you know, those things when you're trying to do those weight loss, um, looking for those products and be aware, being aware of scams. Uh, it seems like a lot of the other ones with vacation scams and some of the others where uh, it's whether it's an email or a text message or even on social media trying to uh, sell you some of these products. Um, it's the wording. It's the it's the coding. It's how they phrase things. Or like you said before, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get a thousand dollar deal for a dollar sale today. That's usually a red flag, right? Yeah, if, it, if it's too good to be true, it really is. And so, you know, if we really just think about living and eating healthy, just kind of on a, a regular basis, that's a good way to do it and not looking for those fast result prod, um, or those miracle type products. So yeah. that's really a good habit to, to start. And seeking the advice of a trustworthy um, counselor or doctor who can help you uh, lose weight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, usually, if and this goes with everything, if it's too good to be true, then it probably is, right? If it's too good to be true, it probably is. And that way you can spot a scam, and then we can stop a scam. Well, I guess I need to stop some of those diets saying that I can eat pizza <laughs> and hamburgers every day and still lose weight, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing to at least think about for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And be aware of. That's right, that's right. It's, a, it's interesting, and it's uh, definitely important for individuals wanting to stay healthy to do it the right way and to do it the appropriate way and not fall for some of these scams because they can take a lot more than just your money, can't they? I mean, they once you give them this information, it's access to your credit cards or bank accounts absolutely. or even and social they, media. Yes, and they can use those for other ways to scam you. Yeah, it is very scary. Uh, what else is going on with the AARP? I know you guys have a lot of uh, events going on for the summertime now that we're getting into uh, summer with either community events or the movies for grownups or either other webinars. What else do you guys have going on? Well, all of those, we do have some online webinars that are coming up. And also, again, our um, 
concerts that are Ooh. virtual. So there's a lot of good things that's coming up. Very yes. good. Yeah. By lots. going to our um, Facebook page, you're able to find those or, or our website. Perfect. Lots of great information. Events. Yeah, uh-huh. other events yes. and lots of things going on. And yeah, like you said, concerts for the summertime. It's aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them on their social media and online all across the board. Glenda, we appreciate it very much. Let's do it again next week. Thank you. You have a good weekend. Goodbye. All right, there it is. That's the AARP. We always appreciate them with their update as well. And man, we're out of time. It's all done already. Holy cow, it flies right on by. We always appreciate Brian Fry, Wichita City Council member on the show. Warren Martin with Kansas Strong is the, well, the temperatures are rising outside, which means we better uh, crank up that AC. Although, even though AOC and Joe Biden, everybody else doesn't want you to do so, I think you need to. And celebrate that 4th of July celebration coming up next weekend. We will have a best of next weekend because it is 4th of July weekend. Also, next week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll be broadcasting live down at McAllen, Texas down at the southern border to talk about some immigration policy. And if you have an opportunity to do so, check out our new nationally syndicated radio program of the Voice of Reasons Weekend Edition. First episode today, baby. We're getting ready for it right now. Preparing. Psyching ourselves up. Let's do it. Let's get excited. It's live 4 to 6. You can hear on KQAM and KIUL. You can hear that on Sunday afternoon from 5 to 7, leading up into Armed American Radio. So, uh, our national broadcast there with some great stations jumping on board. Until then, we're back at it again in a couple weeks on Saturday. Back at it on Monday for The Voice Reason. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Try and stay cool out there. I don't care what they say. Turn up that AC, drink lots of water, and go out in the pool or something. Or the lake. Or whatever you like to do. Go grill that burger and uh, create some carbon. What do you think? That does it for us today. Everybody have a great weekend. Back at it. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. We'll see you on the radio.